Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. We're digging in uh, to Galatians. <laughs> I, uh, I feel prompted to say, because we're in a series here, it's like this is the fifth week. Should start out with previously on Galatians. Because every series I do, I usually fast forwarded through that because I know what went on. Uh, but I did want to highlight three things that we've been talking about as we get into uh, our topic today that help us kind of frame that. Uh, the first thing is, and it was kind of Paul's theme all throughout Galatians and really his focus in how he presents the gospel to uh, the non-Jewish world is what Galatians is really about. But it's, uh, it's all based on faith alone, that by faith alone we can have a right relationship with God We can be children of Abraham, heirs to eternal life based on faith alone. Uh, When I use that term faith, though, I want to make sure that we understand it uh, in our culture, maybe different than the Hebrew culture, but it's an active word. It's not just a mental uh, ascent. It's not just something you believe up here. Uh, Faith, uh, pastor, 30, 40 years ago, shared this definition, which sticks with me. He said, faith. To rely on, cling to, trust in. That that's what faith is. Faith is not just believing in something, but it's relying on, clinging to, trusting in what Jesus did. Uh, but that's all that it needs to be to be in a right relationship with Jesus. And we spent some time last week talking about um, how we shouldn't add anything to faith as a criteria for being in a right relationship. Uh, We tend to want to do that because we feel like we want to deserve, justify (laughs) uh, evidence. Uh, Do I really really have enough faith? And I'll I'll rely on faith, but also that I'm doing these things or uh, taking these actions. It's great to do other things, but it's not required. It's not necessary. Uh, We shouldn't rely on other things with faith to be in a right relationship with God. And in the same way... uh, we shouldn't put any barriers to what that uh, gift offers. That faith is available uh, to anyone. Anyone, regardless of their background, their lifestyle, what they've done, what they haven't done, their ethnicity, their gender, nothing is a barrier to somebody saying, I want to rely on, cling to, and trust in what Jesus did. Because it's all about what he did not about what we can do or haven't done or should do. Um, So that's kind of the the focus there. Um, And then finally, the uh, the other main point we made was this gospel, this good news, which is what gospel means, this euangelion uh, in the Greek, uh, (laughs) uh, has always been God's intention from the very beginning, that we kind of think the gospel was created or that term or that idea was something that came with Jesus and his disciples, but it was really God's good news from the very beginning. When God created the world, created mankind, his intention was always, hey, the good news is you get to have a relationship with a king and be a part of the kingdom based on what Jesus was going to do. A lot of the Old Testament was looking forward to what Jesus would do, uh, but it was the same gospel. And it's a gospel of equality. Uh, That we are all, if it's based on faith, if it's based not on what we've done, if it's based on what Jesus did and based on trusting 
believing in that, uh, then we're all equal. We're all in the same place. Uh, the only time it, our faith or our following Jesus becomes unequal, uh, inequality is when we rely on a law or a code of conduct. That's what makes us unequal. That was what Paul was trying to tell the Galatians. You can be really spiritual. You can do all the right things. You can. That doesn't establish your relationship with God. Um, it makes us unequal in that case. Uh, so we are free and we are equal in that. So today, today our focus is freedom. That's that's the result of what Jesus did. And Paul starts out uh, with Galatians five one. Frames a conversation for the day. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I love the first part of that. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. Why did he set you free? To be free. I'm a weird statement. But it tells you the heart of God, that his heart was to set you free. He desires for us to have a free, full life, not based on what we can do, but based on what he's done. So he set us free. Now the choice is, uh, what do we do with that? What do we do with that freedom? Uh, there was an author a number of years ago, Francis Schaeffer, if any of you read from him, he's a brilliant guy. But he wrote a book uh, called, what shall, or How Should We Then Live? That should probably be the title of today's sermon, rather than just freedom. How shall we then live? How do we respond to what he's done? That's, that's what we need to focus on. Um, well, I would just say we're, we're shifting then from changing from an obligation or responsibility in the way we approach God to the way we respond because he's already set us free. Uh, and uh, I would uh, give you a little example of that. Um, close to 40 years ago, uh, this story, I think, defines what I'm talking about. Maybe you'll understand it a little better. Uh, when I was uh, first leading as a volunteer in Young Life in Spokane, the high school that I graduated from, uh, I think I was 30 years old at that point. My wife and I were leading. We were about the third or fourth year of taking 60, 70 kids from Ferris High School to Malibu Club in Canada, which is Young Life Camp up in Canada. And it's a magical place. See God show up, see things happen in kids' lives. And, uh, yeah, we had a good number of uh, kids going to camp this summer. One of those kids was Mark. Uh, and Mark, uh, I'd, he'd just come to Young Life a couple times, but he said, hey, I want to go to camp. And we didn't really know much about Mark. Well, at camp, it's like six days of sharing the gospel where they, they're free in a, an incredible environment to just consider uh, the gospel in its entirety over six days. And uh, it was clear after the first couple days, you, we have this club time, which is and I like youth group time, but uh, where the, we share the, the message in part. And then we go to cabin time, which uh, we had like my cabin. There were 10, 11 guys and myself. And uh, every night we'd kind of kick around what the message was talking about. Well, first couple nights, it was clear. Mark, Mark had shared, yeah, I know, I've never opened a Bible. I uh, never walked into a church before. I know nothing about Jesus. I don't really know much about God at all. 
uh, he was a blank slate when it came to uh, his frame of reference for what he's hearing. Uh, but I was excited, and every night he was sharing, hey, I'm, I'm enjoying this, and he'd take part. Well, got to the, toward the end of the week, and uh, thinking, well, how much progress can a guy make when he makes absolutely no, knew nothing when he got on the boat four or five days ago, and now he's hearing about uh, the fifth night was, was the crosstalk. Here's what Jesus did for you to set you free. Here's how he died that you could have life, uh, in a nutshell. And then at the end of that talk, uh, we sent campers out, like 300, uh, to spend 20 minutes alone with God. Consider what you just heard. And the question for the 20-minute quiet time was, how do you respond to what Jesus did for you? What, is it, what do you, uh, you know, just spend 20 minutes with God and consider that question. Well, and then we came back to cabin time. Well, it was an easy cabin time. <laughs> Didn't have to make up a new question, just... Okay, guys, what uh, what'd you do during your 20 minutes? How did you respond? How do you, how do you think you need to respond to what you heard? And, uh, you know, first you got the light stuff, like I've never spent 20 minutes alone, let alone with God. I have no, it's pretty uncomfortable for the first five minutes. Um, but then they started sharing individually, and it, it kind of went around the circle, and guys would share pretty similar stuff. Uh, they would say things like, yeah, no, I uh, when I go home, I, I need to... I need to treat my mom better. We don't have a very good relationship, or my sister, or I need to I need to live a better life. I need to stop doing this. Um, you know, pick something out that they part of their lifestyle. I had to quit doing that. That's that was their response to Jesus. And then it came. Mark hadn't been saying anything. And I'm just wondering where he's coming from. And he, uh, I said, Well, Mark, what about what about you? And he said, Well, I, I don't get it. And I'm thinking. Dang, I was hoping he would get it. But then he uh, <laughs> changed the conversation. He said, yeah, I, I just don't get it. If Jesus, what I heard tonight, Jesus died for me. He gave his life for me so I could live. I said, I, I guess I don't get what these guys are saying. I, I only, the only thing I can do is give my life to him. That's my response. I, I need to give my life to him. <laughs> that encapsulated. I mean, he defined the gospel really well. Uh, I hate to hear when people respond to the gospel going, yeah, I need to change my life. I need to do things differently. No, you need to, by faith, give your life, trust in him. He's the one who will change your life as a result of it. We don't change our life to establish a relationship. We establish a relationship so that he can change our life. Uh, so Mark got it, and it forever changed his life. He ended up going into ministry in California somewhere, found out a number of years later. Um, so that was awesome. Well, uh, I, I do feel like I, before I go on, I <laughs> kind of odd we're in the middle of the talk. Uh, I need to throw out to you, there may be some in that same place. Maybe some of you have established or responded to what you've heard about Jesus in doing the right thing. And maybe you've never actually taken the step of, I haven't never really given my life to him. I've never really trusted him to be, to control my life, to change me. I have lived in that. I grew up in church. I tried to do the right thing. I, I believe what I hear. But maybe you've never taken that step. So I, I just leave you with that today. We're not going to do an altar call or anything. Uh, but I want you to consider. If that's you, if you find yourself in that position, I don't want to just 
go right over that. I want to give you a chance for the rest of the time we're together today to consider that. Um, and if it means today is the day that you say, yeah, today I want to respond to Jesus by giving my life to him. Let him change who I am. Uh, then please do that. And tell somebody. Uh, you don't have to come to me, but if you want to come to me, great. Uh, but if that's you, do that today. Share it with somebody. And establish a different relationship than maybe what you had envisioned it to be before. Well, uh, <laughs> shifting then. Now, with all that said, now what we choose to do uh, can create a better quality relationship with God versus establishing a relationship with God. That's, that's the shift here. Um, maybe a way to make that clear, another analogy would be a, a marriage analogy. A marriage, uh, the difference between a marriage based on love and a marriage that's based on obligation or responsibility or an arranged marriage. They're both marriages. They're both legal. You're married. You're in relationship. But if, I just wrote a few things down here. What if I was in one of those obligation, I, I should get married. Uh, it's the right thing to do. Um, I'm going to marry this person, and I'm going to fulfill my duty as a married person. So I'm going to, uh, I think I could probably spend, I don't know, 40 minutes a week with my wife. That'd be a good time. That, that'd be an offering to my, that should do that. Or uh, what else did I write down here? Oh, I should probably tell her I love her, maybe once a week. I have my checklist. Once a week, I love you, because that's what you do when you're married. Or recognize that uh, uh, maybe I should buy her flowers once in a while, or buy her a gift, because that's what married people do. A um, <laughs> couple more. Uh, oh, we're married, so we, I guess we should share our possessions. So it's, it's our house. and our Okay, because that, that's what you do in marriage. Uh, maybe it's, you know, I'm going to go on vacation. I should probably take my wife with me. I should probably include her on my vacation plans. Well, you know, if you hear that, it's kind of absurd. You kind of go, That's, nobody would do that. Um, but that would be a loser marriage. It's still a marriage, but it's like you're doing things in order to create love versus doing things in response to love. Because if those things, if I'm doing it in response, I will do all those things. Guess what? I will I will spend time with my wife. I will buy her things. I will want to be together. The first thing I should think of is where should we go to spend some time together? Uh, You know, I will, all those things uh, become the difference between response to love versus trying to create love. So I hope that this is annoying, but that's okay. Uh, Well, so it all comes down to, it's it's now a matter of the quality of the relationship. We don't have to worry about establishing the relationship. It has nothing to do with what we do or don't do based on what he did. Well, so we go on. Um, Paul talks about that response in Galatians 5.13. says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Then he goes on. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, (laughs) So first he says, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't Don't use your freedom to build yourself up. 
use your freedom toward God and toward others. That's that's the message. And in Matthew twenty two thirty six, well, then he goes on to say, the law is fulfilled in love. In Matthew twenty two thirty six to forty, Jesus, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. People came to him and said, "Hey, so what? What's the most important commandment?" I mean, they're coming from a standpoint of obligations. Like, what do I do to inherit eternal life? What What are the two most important things I can do? Well, they're looking for an arranged marriage. What's, what's the least, or what, what can I get away with to get in there? And Jesus responds, well, they ask him, which is the greatest command? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Um, so Jesus is basically saying, how do you respond? Paul's saying, how do you, how do you respond? You respond in love. You're free now to choose to love, to love God in response to what he did for you. You're free to love others. That's your, your gift. You could say you're free to be bound to that law. If the law is summed up in one word, love, love God, love others, then you can choose to be bound to that. You don't be bound to that trying to create love, but you can be bound to that to express love in the right way. You can bind yourself to that. Um, Well, Galatians 5, 6 puts it this way. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, awkward for us, uh, simply meaning... Neither the things you do or the things you don't do, the things you can, uh, the law you can follow, your code of conduct means nothing or has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Uh, I love that. The only thing that matters. How do we best respond? Well, Mark said it well. I just got to give myself to him. I got to figure out how to love him. That's the key to uh, what we're called to do with our freedom. Well, then uh, Jesus, again, said, said it this way in uh, Matthew five seventeen, because he was challenged. He had a different message, and it was making the Pharisees really uncomfortable. And they kind of said, well, did you come to abolish the law? It looks like you're doing things differently. And Jesus said this. Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He came to live it out. He's the only one that could really live it out perfectly. But he already said the the law is contained in just being able to love well. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago that, you know, there's one frame of thought is obedience is the most important thing. And Jesus said, no, no, love is the most important thing. Love your neighbor. Uh... And that bothered the Pharisees because Jesus would often, I think, he went out of his way to heal on the Sabbath just to challenge that. No, it's more important to love and do good on the Sabbath than it is to obey. Uh, obeying the law, nowhere near as important as loving loving someone. That should be our motive. That should be our um, response. Well, and then finally, the last night that Jesus was alive with his disciples, uh, shared a lot of things, uh, but his last message to them the night before he was crucified, the night he was arrested, he said this in John 13, 34. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. 
uh, interesting because Jesus could have said a lot of things. He's about ready to leave. So what's the most important? Hey, hey guys, here's what you need to do. Give you a list. If you do these things, you'll be good. No, just choose to love one another the way I loved you. What I did for you, do that for others. Uh, that will fulfill all of the law. Um, that's the freedom he gave us. Uh, so then we turn, we keep going on. Paul, uh, Paul goes on in Galatians 5.16, and he says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Uh, so here he's talking about this, this warfare, this conflict that we still experience. But it was there before we knew Jesus. It was, it's there after uh, that we have the flesh, which is basically just our selfish desire to run our own life, do our own things, and how we express that in a number of different ways. Or we can live by the Spirit. Now, before Jesus, before establishing a relationship with him, we weren't free. We were slaves to our flesh. We did whatever our flesh wanted us to do. But he's now saying, you can now choose. You have the choice. You're free to choose to walk by the Spirit or walk by the flesh. Um, And if your motive is love, then walk by the Spirit and you will have a full, rich life. Not, again, to establish a relationship, but to respond to relationship. Um, well, uh, <laughs> it all... Uh, oh, wait a minute, one more verse here. Um, how to walk by the Spirit? Uh, okay, if I'm, if I'm not supposed to walk by flesh, how do you walk by the Spirit? Well, simply put, you focus your attention on abiding in Him, building a relationship with God. That's the one thing I would say, do that. Focus on building your relationship with God. Your life will change. Don't focus on changing your life. Do things to build your relationship with God. And that's how you walk by the Spirit. Um, The result of that says in 522, the fruit of the Spirit, the result of choosing to build your relationship with God, depending on that relationship, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says, against such things there is no law. Uh, well, we talked about this a couple series ago on fruit bearing, that fruit is not what we do for God. Sometimes that gets totally misunderstood or, or turned backwards. The fruit of the Spirit is just that. It's the fruit of the Spirit. When you abide, when you spend time, when you build a relationship with God, you will start to display the fruit of of God. It's his fruit. You'll start to have his characteristics on display in your life. You'll love people the way he loved people. You'll have patience. You'll have kindness. You'll have self-control. Not because you're trying to work on those things, but because you're working on a relationship with God and you start to develop those things. Uh, I hope you see the difference there because it's a, it's a huge difference. Um, John 15 uh, this is a verse we focused on too, but I just want to focus on one verse in particular here. Because this is the picture Jesus gave. He says, what's it look like to, to walk by the Spirit? 
abide in me, stick with me, and you will bear much fruit, not do things. You will bear much fruit. You will display God's character in your life if you abide in me. But notice how he starts out. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. We're already in relationship. It's not a matter of, hey, if I don't bear fruit, I'm not saved. If I bear fruit, I'm saved. No. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you unless you stick with me. He's talking about the quality. What are you going to do with this relationship you have? Is it going to be a a good relationship? Is it going to lead to a full, rich life? Then stick with me. Um, That's his emphasis. So it all comes down to uh, motivation. Why are you choosing to do what you do? And we're not here. I'm not going to list. Here's the things you need to do. Because I would go right back to what we just talked about. But whatever choose, you are free to choose. You are free to choose. So now choose to do things that build your relationship with God and to help you love other people well. Uh, those are the two things that you should should do. Live out the love of Christ for others. Show the world. Put him on display by being uh, fruitful in your life. Uh, I, I love that image because uh, if... Uh, if I could refer back to Young Life camp situation, I became convinced after a number of years, most, maybe not most, a lot of kids make a commitment to follow Christ, not just or even mainly because of what they hear up front, but they see the lives of 50 or 60 high school kids that give up a month of their life to serve at camp, or they see the lives of 40 college students who go to serve voluntarily at camp, don't get a dime for it for a month when they could be out working somewhere. And they see their life. They see the fruit on display in their life, and they go, that's what I want. Um, They're not after a lifestyle. They're after a changed life. They're after what can God do in my life. Um, It may actually even look like following the law because guess what? If I'm doing things to build my relationship with God and learn how to love others, I'll probably will spend more time with Jesus every day. I will try to be more consistent. I will try to read more. I'll try to understand him more. But what's your motive? Are you reading? Are you praying? Are you doing things to build your relationship with God? Or are you doing it because you think that's what I have to do? I should probably read a chapter a day. Or no, I <laughs> I want to know this guy better. I want to know what he's like. That's why I want to spend more time. I used to get intimidated when I read about like Martin Luther or some giants of the faith. Uh, he'd spend like three hours every morning just in prayer. I thought, seriously? How can he possibly do that? Uh, he didn't do it out of obligation. He did it because for him that gave him much more rich life with Christ. He got so close to Jesus because he spent so much time with him. Um, Not out of obligation, but out of response. Um, Well, uh, one more example of that. Uh, Marty Solomon, a friend of mine, a number of you know him, um, part of our community for a number of years. He was on the preaching team, mostly on the Moscow side of our Moscow-Pullman relationship, but he would preach at SEL once in a while. But... uh, I don't know if you know his background that well, but Marty was a guy that 
uh, was adopted as a child, grew up in a Christian home, uh, made a commitment to Christ as a kid, and then went into seminary and responded to a call to ministry, uh, college ministry, Impact Campus Ministry, it's called. He's now the president of that organization. But um, it was interesting in about when he was in his 20s, he began to kind of pursue uh, going to Israel and uh, had a guy that was his mentor and took him to Israel once or twice. I think it was on the first trip as they're just traveling. He said, oh, so Solomon, Marty Solomon, are you Jewish? He said, well, no, I was, I was adopted as a child. Uh, don't really know my parents. Um, but I said, uh, but I know my grandparents are, are Jewish. Oh, so you're Jewish. <laughs> well, because uh, hmm. if your grandparents are Jewish, you're Jewish. And he said, whatever you choose to do with that's up to you, but just know you're Jewish. And it just changed Marty's thinking process. Here he's a believer, he's following Jesus, but he finds out he's Jewish by heritage. What do I do with that? Well, Marty made the choice a number of years uh, ago that he was going to honor that heritage. Again, not under obligation, but out of desire to love God within his, who God made him to be. So he now wears the tassels, he uh, eats kosher, follows a lot of the Jewish customs. Um, and you would think, well, is he binding himself to that? No, he's Jewish. He just wants to love God in that way, the way God made him. Um, but he's free in that, too, because we made the mistake uh, early on. We got to know Marty had he and his family over for brunch after church one Sunday, and we were excited about sharing this lovely brunch, which included bacon and eggs, and didn't know he was choosing to eat kosher, just thought it was just a statement. And he laughed and, uh, and told us, and we go, oh, no, he had no, no problem. He ate the bacon, didn't, no big deal, because he wasn't obligated to that. He chose to do that. Um, he does the same with other people that don't know his custom. And that's what Paul said at one time. Eat whatever's in front of you. Don't let that be a, a barrier. Um, so that just, again, the difference between motivation. Why are you doing what you're doing? Uh, well, here's a question for us as we kind of round the corner to the end here. question is, if there is no law, if there is no code of conduct, there's no standard, then won't people have different standards, different priorities, different ways of doing things? Yeah. Yeah, they will. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, they, they will. Some will choose to focus on one thing or another. It's, they have the freedom to do that. Uh, again, it's their motivation that counts. You know, I, dealing with high school kids for so many years, uh, I quit early on because I, I was one of those kids. You know, I came to Christ, and I knew my mouth was a mess. And uh, I, it kept me from saying yes to Jesus for a little while. I said, well, i got to take care of this mouth first. I, gotta, you know, I can't say two sentences. I don't want to misrepresent Jesus. And my <laughs> leader had the wisdom to tell me, that's not your job. Establish a relationship. He'll change those things. And he did. I didn't focus on that. I took his advice. I said, okay. And when I made a commitment to Christ, I didn't spend each day practicing how to speak different. Uh, he changed my heart. Suddenly I was free from that. Now it was really weird to say things that I was really uncomfortable with. Um, so that's kind of the, the mode there. You will, you will have different priorities, different standards. Um, and here's how Paul addresses that uh, in Romans, Romans 14. And I got to share before I share this first verse, 
Because this week, I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was just having a conversation with somebody uh, totally unrelated to what I'm talking about today. But she had mentioned this verse, and she quoted it, read it to me out of the message, which I don't use a lot. I like it sometimes because it's just a different way of looking at things. <laughs> I said, I'm coincidence, maybe I should use that today. So we're going to start with the message version of uh, Romans 14, 5 and 4 and 5. It says this, do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? If there are corrections to be made or manners to be learned, God can handle that without your help. I love that. <laughs> Great disclaimer. Um, or say one person thinks some days should be set aside as holy, and another thinks that each day is pretty much like any other. Uh, <laughs> and it goes on. There are good reasons either way. So each person is free to follow the convictions of their conscience. It's relationship. We all have, a, that's what I love about my relationship with God. It's, it's my relationship with God. God can direct me in what I should do and not do. If I'm looking to please him, if I'm looking to build my relationship with him, maybe different than other people. May have different standards, different priorities. Uh, you know, I'm not one to say, hey, you know, you should work on that part of your life. Well, God can take care of that. God will work on that. If they're committed to relationship, if they're committed to focus on that, he'll take care of the standards, the lifestyle, the things that we do, that God is perfectly capable of correcting for us. Um, he goes on in uh, Romans 14, 13 and 14, back to the NIV. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on each other. Instead, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it's unclean. We may view things differently. That's okay. Don't demand that you have to do things the way I do it. Um, you have a relationship with Jesus. He'll direct you. God, it's so hard for us because we want to get right in there. Tell him the best way. This is how you should do it. Um, that's not what Paul says. Finally, Paul wraps it up in Romans fourteen nineteen. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Here he's talking about the Jewish kosher eating customs. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Um, so basically he's saying you are now free to do what you need to do, but you're also free to bind yourself to not do things for the sake of others. Uh, example of that, when I uh, finally went on Young Life staff 1990, we moved to Tri-Cities. Got involved in a church community there, pretty conservative church community, and uh, just our, our community in general in Kennewick at that time was pretty conservative. And so we had kids at that point between 5 and 12 years old when we moved to Tri-Cities, four kids. And we just said, you know, we want to have an open house. We want put no stumbling block in front of kids. We didn't put it that way, but that's kind of what our motive was. And we said, you know, we're not going to have alcohol in our house. Not because it's wrong. Other people can be free to do that. But for us, our position, where we're at, 
trying to minister to high school kids. We don't want we want kids to be over at our house a lot. We don't want kids opening the fridge and oh, beer in there. Huh. I wonder what this guy's doing. You know, they don't know the freedom we have. <laughs> they may question our motive. Um, um, wine outside. You know, here's a glass of wine on the counter. Um, is that wrong? No. But we bound ourselves not to do that for the sake of what God had called us to do. Uh, even to the point that we went out to dinner. Uh, we chose here. We're not going to drink when we're out to dinner. Because uh, a lot of parents, we got, we got really involved in the high school, knew a lot of people, and we just thought, you know, we don't want to co- make that be an issue of concern for parents. Uh, so we just did We were free not to. That's what we did. Well, then eight years later, we moved to San Jose, California, and uh, kind of wondered, oh, I wonder what our standard's going to be like there. Well, really changed really quickly. The first committee meeting we went to with Young Life, they served wine and hors d'oeuvres. I thought, okay, I guess we'll be, maybe we'll be drinking more wine. Um, that was okay. It was good. We'd make one right, one wrong, but it, we had to consider our audience, consider who we were dealing with. Um, choose not to make a stumbling block, but also free to do and enjoy life in different ways. Um, so, say that about that. Um, some would say, is that hypocrisy? I don't think so. I think it was sensitivity. Um, we're free to do things differently in different environments. As Paul said, I'll be all things to all people. That by some means I might save some. Um, we're free to be different. I want to create conversation sometimes <laughs> by the things I do. That's me. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> moving on. <clears throat> going to wrap it up in Corinthians. Because Paul addresses it again in Corinthians and says this, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I'm free to do anything, but I'm not going to choose to do things that get control of me. Because then I'm back to the old system. I'm indulging the flesh. Because if I'm doing things that are starting to control me, then I'm not free. Uh, So... I'm not going to let that happen. I can do all sorts of things, but don't do things that bind me. Do things that honor God. So you can check, I mean, let's be honest, you can check a number of things off the list already. Uh, I'm not going to do those things, not because it says it's wrong, because it it would hurt my relationship with God. It would hurt my relationship with other people. That should be our motive. You know, it it changes when you're dealing with teenagers a lot. You know, it gets old and you say, hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, you shouldn't do that. That's another thing you shouldn't do. And they hear that all the time. How about giving them a, you know, that will hurt your relationship with other people. Or that will hurt your relationship with, with God. Then you have a conversation about it. A whole different motive than just a list of things you shouldn't, shouldn't do. Um, okay. So, in Corinthians 6.12. Oh, going on. 10.23, the next verse. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Very similar. Except the first one was geared toward himself. All things are lawful. I can do anything. I'm not going to do something that starts to control me. And then he says, and I'm not going to do things that don't help build up other people. I want my lifestyle to encourage other people, not to discourage. Um, so that's where the term edify or to build up came from. Then finally he wraps it up with this. <clears throat> so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. 
Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Um, so again, it boils down to your choices should honor your relationship with God. You have incredible freedom within that. There's a lot of things you can do to honor, build up your relationship, and learn how to love others uh, well. Uh, in doing so, you actually end up sharing the gospel with your lifestyle. Uh, example of that was my own uh, dad. Uh, I may have mentioned when I, my own story. We lived in a pretty dysfunctional family. Parents broke when I was like 10 years old. Uh, church was something dad felt like he needed to do. That's what good people do. They go to church. So he would take us to church once in a while. Sometimes you just drop the kids off. It's good for you. You should go to church. Um, <laughs> but he never made that commitment. He knew it was right, but he just never established a relationship with God. Uh, but about three years into marriage, we started having these conversations. He'd say things like, Gary, tell me what's different about your faith than my faith. Because he saw Jesus displayed in the things that I chose to do. He saw characteristics of God that didn't match his life. And I didn't have to share the gospel. At first, when I made a commitment to follow Christ, I thought, i got to figure out a way to win my father to Christ. Well, it's pretty hard to talk to your parents. Hey, you know, you should follow Jesus. That didn't go over very well. So I kind of quit that uh, approach. Uh, But I just lived out my life. And that was enough for my dad to say, okay, tell me what your faith is like. And a few years later, he did make that commitment. Not because I necessarily said anything, but because of my life. Um, So that's the choice we have. We live in a way that shares the gospel, that lets other people know, invites other people to this relationship. Uh, that's, That's the ultimate result of our freedom in Christ, is putting God on display for others. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.